Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, we have a great interview for you today here on the Golf Podcast. We're going to talk to Bo and Shannon of In The Zone Mental Training. And get this, Mike. I mean, if this doesn't pique your interest, nothing will. In the beta launch of their new training program, their mental game training program, mm-hmm. they had 131 golfers. And for every golfer who completed their program in 45 days, right, every one of them saw at least 5.1 strokes <laughs> drop. Sign me up. It is something. And what they talk about, and that may sound sensational and things like that, but what I would say is, Hang on to the interview and you'll see why. It is very much grounded in science. And look, as golfers, I do it all the time. You guys probably do it too. How many times do we talk ourselves out of being a good golfer? Mm -hmm. How many times do we step up to that same tee shot? We know we always put it in the water and that's what we're thinking. And then what happens? We manifest that. It goes in the water, whatever it may be. Now think about shifting that focus and imagine instead of focusing on and thinking about how you're always the golfer who misses putts to start to think about using that to your advantage and you're, you be build this confidence right now. If you don't think that that's going to be something that creates an ability for you to improve your game and shoot better scores then what does. Mm. So again, as well as sensational it sounds, it's very much founded in science. Um, they've, you know, both Shannon and Bo have terrific backgrounds grounded in this sport. And Shannon also comes from from uh, coaching speed skating at the highest level, the Olympic level, and talks about how you can kind of unlock that. And, they, and they, what they say is in the zone. They say they can help you get there at the flip of a switch. What they do is they, they look to find in, in the golfer what can be your trigger. And then you can use that trigger. So it really becomes a situation where you can harness that area of your game. And one thing that I really like that they teach and why we wanted to talked about them here we're all lim- you know we don't play golf for a living most of us we don't you know right so we're limited on time so how do you get the practice in and because we all think when you you, you want to be good at golf you got to practice and what they talk about is their way of mental game training is actually almost like putting your body through the physical reps the detailed visualization that they do allows you to practice so you could be sitting on your couch at home and putting in real effective golf practice. There you go, man. There you go, right? How can so you beat that? You can't beat that. And and so I think, like I said, that's why we want to get them on the show. We're going to bring them on in a minute. For uh, We're going to bring them on the show in a minute here. First, want to uh, talk about our sponsors, thank our sponsors this week. Uh, of course, we want to thank Titleist. Everybody wants a faster golf ball. And performance into and around the greens makes a huge difference in what you write on the scorecard. If you watch our videos, you know that. Mm-hmm. When we're on around the greens, it's a better score. And vice versa. So speed meets performance in the new Titleist Tour Speed. Titleist did extensive testing with amateur golfers in developing the Tour Speed's three-piece thermoplastic urethane construction. And that well, that's what's going to give you guys that soft feel, but also the exceptional distance that we're all looking for. And that's where we talk about that speed. Um, so you get that distance to the long game, that precise short game, really the two things that you have to mix really well in order to play well. And they're all... It built, baked right into the Titleist Tour Speed to help set you apart from the co- uh, the competition. So get Tour Speed or get left behind. Pick up a sleeve of the Tour Speed. Check them out. Check them out on Titleist.com. Uh, just, they've done some really great things with this golf ball. No one wants to get left behind, Frank. No, they don't. No, no. absolutely not. And guys, this episode is also brought to you by ShotScope, the all-in-one GPS and stat tracking watch. Guys, it's still... You know, pre-order, it's it's sold out now, but they're coming next month. You could pre-order it online. You can go to shotscope.com slash golficity. Just launched in July, the new Shotscope V3. They've done a huge ton of improvements to this thing, making it sleeker, smaller. That's why it sold out so quick. That's why, because yeah. it, it they they delivered on what everyone wanted. That's you know, right. The smaller design, the longer battery life, the color display, the color bands that are more fashionable, uh, the more precise accuracy on, the, on mm-hmm. the GPS and on the stat tracking. So you guys asked, they delivered. Get on there. You're going to be rewarded with tons of data about your golf game. It's going to be an amazing- Over 100 statistics. Isn't it nuts? It's like nuts. opening up the hood of your car and just seeing everything. You can see everything about your golf game right there. Visit shotscope.com slash golficity. Order yourself one now. Pre-order it now. And of course, the GPS version only, the G3, is still available at a lower price if that's all you're looking for as well. So check them out. And lastly, Frank, want to thank FootJoy. Um, you know, those guys are great. They're always uh, doing their best to make us look good. Uh, and, and they keep us swinging. And, and I say <laughs> that they keep us swinging because... 
the seasons change. It gets yeah. hot, then it gets cold. We know that it's getting cold now. The rain is coming in, the cold, wet rain, but we don't want to hang the sticks up yet. We try to play as long as possible, guys. So they've introduced a new Hydro Tour jacket. Footjoy has, has built this thing storm-proven, built to protect you uh, from the most extreme conditions using a three-panel construction to reduce bulk, improve mobility so you could swing through the ball and maximize water protection. Not to mention, love the way they look and feel. They're pretty cool and 100% waterproof. You can't beat that. So fold it down, stuff it in your golf bag, or wear it when you know the rain is coming during the round. Check it out at footjoy.com. Yeah, that portability is my favorite part. You're just there, and it's just like you, you know it's there. Nothing. Yeah, you know we've played in places like Florida when these these uh, you know storms run through yep. out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It rains like like a monsoon yeah. for 15. Who minutes wants a wet shirt for the last nine? That's holes. it. Exactly. And you throw this thing on, you're good to go. They know what they're doing, for They certainly do. <laughs> they know what they're doing. All right, uh, we like I said, we've got both Bo and Shannon on the line, so we're not going to keep them waiting any longer. Uh, like I said, exciting program that they've got, and any everything we talk about here, the links will be in the show notes or in the video description if you guys want to find out more. But without any uh, further ado, here let's bring Bo and Shannon on the call. All right, guys, we're really excited uh, because we have both Bo Watson and Shannon Chusky on the line here. And it ties in so well, Mike, to what we talked about on our podcast. Maybe it was three, four weeks ago. We talked about the struggle of kind of ment the mental challenge of staying in your game for a whole round. Mm -hmm. And we talked about there are different things you can do, like pre-shot routine and things that kind of trigger getting in the zone. But when I heard about um, the new program uh, that you guys have, Shannon and Bo, this this idea of being able to get in the zone at the flip of a switch, obviously that's something that really sparked our interest because I, I think that's what every golfer wants. But I'll let you first start. Let's do a little introduction. I mean, we could start with you, Bo. Uh, let's talk a little bit about who you are, and then I want to talk to a, little, a little about the specifics of what it means to be in the zone and the idea of how you can get there, as you said, in the flip of a switch. So, so Bo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm a high-performance golf coach. I've uh, um, been in this journey since I was a kid. I Just real short story, I had the dream to play on a PGA Tour. And had a lot of success in junior golf, got to high school, things plateaued. And a big result of that was actually because I was the worst mental head case there is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. If there, if there was like a record, I probably was in the top 10 in the world when it came to uh, being my worst enemy on the golf course. So, And it was interesting. I, uh, I went to go to Kim uh, University. I thought, you know what, I got to keep my dream alive. It cost me a scholarship, so I had to go and make a decision, do I go to a D3 school or do I go to Campbell, which had a PGA golf management program, but also the main reason was a guy by the name of David Orr. And those of you that aren't familiar, and for some of your listeners are listening into this, is that David at the time wasn't working with guys like Justin Rose, Hunter Mahan, Paul Casey, Cheyenne Woods, uh, Suzanne Pedersen, or any of those players at the time, but he was working with someone like Matt Davidson, uh, who was, you know, at the time it was not a Corn Ferry tour, but a Nationwide tour. And I was like, okay, he's working with some guys. Why not go learn under this guy and keep my dream alive, teach myself? And that was the plan. Through that process, I fell in love with teaching the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what David did there uh, with all the putting research and everything, um, what was funny, just side note real fast on that side of the game, you know, what he did in the player development model, it basically became the model for all PGA schools nationwide. And... And a large part of that was because of his putting research, but also his short game uh, expertise. And it also led to him, you know, getting connected with Sean Foley, a lot of these big-name players coming in. Mm -hmm. So I go from here, open my own golf school, Watson School of Golf. And through this process, I'm still struggling with teaching players the mental side of the game. Mm -hmm. And what was crazy about all that is I'm still struggling with this part. And we're getting some success with the technique inside of things, but mental side players were struggling big time and I couldn't even teach it myself. And it wasn't until I met this guy, Shannon, that's sitting over here beside me, that things really started to change. And um, it was mainly because of his story sharing with all of his success that I was sitting there going like, Oh my goodness, you mean to tell me you're getting all of your speed skaters into the zone at a flip of the switch? Like, <laughs> and he's showing me text message after text message. And we'll go into the story in a little bit, but I'm sitting there like, you gotta be kidding me. Because I read all the books out there on the mental side of the game. You know, Bob Rattel is in golf, yeah, uh, right. Vision 54, right? And they all talk about what the zone looks like, <clears throat> but they never show you a step-by-step -step process on how to get there. 
And interesting that you ended up teaming up with Shannon, like really moving outside of, of golf. And, and, but, but still, I mean, there, there's still sports, but Shannon, tell us a little bit about that from your side of the equation. Yeah. So <clears throat> my background, um, I, I played uh, semi-pro um, soccer um, in college as, as well, and then um, got into speed skating. I was a late bloomer. Um, but with me, um, <clears throat> so a and, and little bit about my background as far as like uh, uh, I've had six world champions that I've worked with. I've had 18 world team members, um, and the six world champions, they were numerous world champions. It wasn't just that, but like a 147 national champions as well. Um, numerous national records and, and stuff like that. But, um, I really realized, you know, we've always the coined phrase, you know, that when it comes to performance and stuff like that, that, um, it's 10% physical and, and 90% mental. And, you know, as we know, because we're human, that fluctuates depending on who the person is. You know, you might be Tiger Woods. So, you, you, for example, he may not be as mental as somebody else that, you know, so that that mental game can actually be even higher than 90, 90 percent, 95 percent. You know, you think about it, you know, uh, you've got, uh, let's say, one of the the NBA guys, you know, let's say you got two seconds left in the game and the other game and the other team's up by one, mm-hmm. you know, what's, you know, it's just a free throw, you know, the, and basically what comes down to is, you know, is the pressure that you put on yourself, um, in that very moment, even though you've done this a thousand, a million times before right. that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. And so that's one thing that I've noticed, like with, you know, w- when I st- when I say stumbled across this, I've done a lot of research and stuff like this. And then I realized, Hey, you know, this stuff that we've learned in, in psychology one-on-one, so to speak. Um, but as far as like, uh, with my struggle was this was, you know, I played soccer, I was pretty fast. And so the guys that I skated against, um, we actually had a very strong team. We had 22 national champions just on our team and there's perspective age groups, right? Right. And so we're doing, like, we're doing starts and stuff like that with skates on. And uh, I, I say that because um, I I would always get last off the line. But yet, when we would put shoes on, I'm beating everybody hands down like it's nothing. <laughs> so what was the you know, difference like, okay, there, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what what's going on? How come it's not transferring to the game? And, you know, and, and that's one thing like with Bo and I, one thing that we work on is, is we pretty much, in a sense, guarantee that what, what you're practicing on the golf range is going to transfer to the course. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. And that's one thing that I did was um, I, I figured this thing out. It's like, hey, why are we spending 100% of our time on only basically – 25 to 10% of the game, depending on who you are, you know what I mean? Why not, you know, spend some time doing like mental training and and stuff like that. And so, um, that's when I started really digging in deep and I noticed a huge change in, in, in my, uh, the sporting and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I went through, that's the thing, you know, I, uh, I was a national champion myself. Um, and so, it was one of those things where I had to work to. And the only reason why I was national champion was because of the mental part. (laughs) Seriously, seriously, because that's what it came down to. I came down to being like an average, an average Joe or whatever with skates on. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, um, doing these mental reps and these trainings and stuff, um, that set me up. I noticed that I started beating that one person in practice that I've never beat before. Right. And I started beating another person in practice. And then, I, then that started transferring to the meets and then at nationals and then and everything like that. And with this, you know, I ended up being undefeated for one year. Um, and then I got out of it and started getting in the coaching. And, um, just because I, I would rather, you know, I'm motivated by, you know, the results that they have. Yeah. And, and that just, it speaks volumes because the proof is there. You didn't, even in this instance, you're not changing anything with your physical practice. You're changing something with the mental game and then the result is there. But as you're talking, I'm listening and it's, it's, it's hitting a lot of boxes of a lot of stuff that obviously as golfers, we all go through one being, as you said, the kind of cliche thing that we all say about the game being 90% mental. Yet, if you dive into our practice, very few of us 
really work on the mental game. Additionally, it's not often that you see coaches talking about it a lot. I mean, you can go on YouTube and I'll, I'll find a hundred thousand videos of how to change your swing, but we don't talk about the mental game. So I want to talk about that, but also the specific thing with the zone, because I feel like my relationship to the zone, whether it be myself or as I'm watching sports and others and others talking about it, it almost gets this feeling like it's something that just happens to you. Like you're just fortunate in that moment. Be like, I don't know. I was in the zone, you know, but you don't know when it's coming or when it's going. You just kind of enjoy it for the two or three holes that it lasts. But here, what you guys are talking about is that you're actually switching over and making it a more active thing where you are putting yourself in the zone. So whoever wants to take that, I want to have you elaborate a little bit more about what that means and, and how your program is helping people kind of make that switch. Right. So it comes, it comes down to it. Like I said earlier, um, like when I was in college, everybody, everybody that's went through college, you, you've basically taken psychology one-on-one. It's one of yep. your electives. You have to take it. And so one of the things that I learned was, um, we've, we've heard about Pavlov's dogs, yes. for example. Salivating, right. You know? yep. Exactly. You know, you, the light comes on, they salivate. Uh, the light comes on, the food drops out, and then they salivate. The light comes on, the food drops out, you know, and stuff like that. But then as the study goes on, um, they stopped dropping the food out and they started seeing that the dogs had been conditioned to get into it. Mm -hmm. And so that is what, that's what it is, is there's, there are certain triggers that you can trigger your body to get into the zone. Um, as, but you have to condition it to be able to get in there. Um, and one of the, one of the little ways that we can condition it is through mental imagery, doing visualization, um, mental reps. Um, you look at all the studies that's been out there. I mean, it, it helps in, uh, um, um, so many, so many different ways. Uh, like for example, the, the, the feedback that goes through, like if, when you get really good at mental imagery, what happens is it's working with the motor century of your brain. Okay. Though you're not physically moving, your muscles are actually firing. Mm. Um, and then you can get to the point where, you know, you start feeling twitches in your muscles. Um, when I, that's the only way I know how to describe what I'm talking about is, is that aspect of it. Um, we were working with, uh, one of the ladies that was on the LPGA tour. And one of the things that, um, she had mentioned was that her wrist started hurting when she was doing her mental imagery. (laughs) And I was about, I was about to come unglued. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. You're just proven what we've been saying the whole time, you know, and then she grasped it. And then obviously, you know, she, she went on with it. So, I mean, even then it can help mental imagery. Believe there's been studies, case studies too, that actually help with rehab and stuff. And that kind of went with, you know, what was going on with her. Um, and so she was actually getting that reaction, that conditioned response, um, to that, but it also creates muscle memory too. So that's the awesome thing about mental imagery. Think about all the times that you could save necessarily going out to the, um, to the golf range. Yeah. You're laying, you're laying there in bed and you're putting the real reps in, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you got people like Tony Gonzalez, um, who is in the uh, NFL Hall of Fame? You got uh, well. I know I do know that Tiger Woods does his, his uh, visualization as well. But then you got um, a lot of people don't know this. Michael Jordan, he did it all the time. Matter of fact, one of the things that um, he has said was he has actually done more mental imagery of the shots that he's ever even taken when he was on the court or off the court. Wow. Um, you know, doing practice, he said he's done he's done more shots in his head over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Phelps was a genius at it. You know, his coach would talk about the matter of fact, I remember a time where, um, Michael Phelps was explaining that, uh, uh, his coach came up to him and took one of, took to his, uh, goggles off, laid him on the ground and stepped on one side and, and broke the, the goggle and gave it back to him. And told him, you need to race your race now. <laughs> now, it wasn't a big race, right? you know, but he did that. But the interesting fact was, uh, Michael Phelps said, you know, what's interesting was the night before he was doing mental imagery of that same thing. And it came to pass. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that it comes to pass. But what I mean is you can prepare 
yourself for whatever happens. Like, right. for example, let's say um, here, here's a let's say you are um, 150 yards out. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. And what I'm saying, when you're doing your mental imagery, we can do all these different things, you know, 150 yards out from the pen. You can come up with all these different scenarios that you can do in mental imagery that you're not necessarily going to be able to do out on the course. And you're not going to be able to do it. Like, for example, mm-hmm. there's a 10 mile an hour headwind. Right. Yeah. You can't change the wind. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. But mentally, you can prepare yourself. OK, I might need to go one club up you know, or so on and so forth. Right. And, and, but you're doing that practice. You can see it, you know, and then making that mental imagery real. Like, for example, what is the, what is the sound that the ball makes when you tee off versus the sound the ball makes when you putt? Right. So you, that's how you super kind of dial it in granularly by, by getting down to that fine level of detail, even the going down to the sound. Is that what helps the brain kind of really lock it in and retain it as, as a more of a reality? getting very yeah. detailed like that? So many things. Matter of fact, um, uh, Ed Milet actually said this, uh, and he had mentioned it, and, and it's the same thing. He's worked with a lot of professional athletes as well, but um, it's talking the amount of attention to detail that like, that the pro athletes that they do when it comes to their mental imagery is, is definitely what helps. But see, here's the awesome thing too, is when you're doing that, you are preparing your body to go in to that motion. For example, like, let's say, um, here, here's a great example. Uh, there's a guy named Colonel Hall who, uh, was in the Vietnam war mm-hmm. and his, his plane got shot down and was in, uh, was, uh, in prison for over seven years, but he was an avid golfer before he went in. And so one of the things that he would do is he would practice, believe it or not, at Pebble Beach, you know, doing his mental imagery, going through, yeah. you know, doing the scoring and everything like that. And he comes out. So then he w- he did that for like seven years. He couldn't play golf. So more than likely, depending on however, however long it took him to get into there, he may have, he may not have played golf in like eight years. And then when he gets out and gets freed, um, he comes out and literally within, within, I want to say three to four months of him getting out, he was invited to go play at uh, a tournament at Pebble beach and he shot, he shot a 76. <laughs> he was ready to go after all those reps. Yeah. 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 So, but, and, but then the people awesome. were like, and so then they interviewed him. They're like, you know, how in the world? you know, did you do this? Is this beginner's luck? And he was, and he was like, you know what? For the past seven years, I never pre, I, I never three putted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's like wild. he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed it. But see, he, he, he triggered it too, because one of the things, one of the, for example, one of his triggers was, um, he would actually, when he was doing his mental imagery, he would um, hold the club in his hand like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you, you can't hold it, but he would actually, you know, swing the club, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, but yeah, and then he's, he's at one of the, the, the world's toughest, so to speak, um, uh, golf courses. And he's shooting a 76 and he hadn't played in, you know, seven, eight years. Oh, <laughs> That's incredible. That is, that is absolutely incredible. And let me ask this. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing already, and I want to dive into it more in a second, but I'm seeing obviously where we're driving at is how if you intentionally can harness this, it's going to lead to, to better scores. Do you find though that golfers in general are almost doing this to themselves, not knowing it, but in a negative way. And the reason I ask that is because I feel like as golfers, you know, we tend to lament and relive the bad shots. It just, we maybe don't want to, but plenty of us have lost sleep at mm-hmm. night thinking about that same three putt that missed, uh, you know, we, we lost the club championship because of a three putt, or I'll give you a perfect example of a funny one that took even me by surprise. I was recently in an MRI machine cause I had some neck issues and I'm trying to not, I'm trying to be anywhere but this machine because you know, you know, if you've ever been in one of those machines, it's not a place you want to be. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to visualize and just put myself on the golf course and play golf. Right. Well, I get up to the first tee shot and as you, can possibly imagine. I pull hooked it into the woods on the left. And now I'm like, 
even in my visualization, I still put, and I know I do this on that hole every time I play it. So I'm wondering, obviously we want to switch gears and take advantage of this and do it the right way. But do we, is it possible that we could be even not knowingly doing this the wrong way by kind of getting into the same mental patterns and thinking, I always hit it here. And then what do you know? You hit it there on that Absolutely. hole. Is that something that, yep. that's happening out there? Oh, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. Matter of fact, a lot of people don't know this, but the, the, the U S was, is a huge pioneer in the, in the Olympics, especially in the winter sports. When it comes to matter of fact, when, uh, the Sochi Olympics, they actually had nine mental coaches go with their teams to Sochi. Hmm. Okay. And then, uh, I read an article that was done, I believe it was on the New York times that a guy was going through and talking to all these different people. I mean, you've seen them doing their, their, their mental imagery. For example, the slalom skiers are up there doing, you know, they're going back and forth and, you know, with their, their bodies, you know, moving back and forth and everything like that. Um, but here's the thing. They interviewed this lady who was, uh, uh, one of the downhill, downhill skiers that in the Alpine event. And, um, she said that very same thing that she kept seeing herself when she was doing her mental imagery falling in this specific turn. Mm -hmm. And she kept seeing herself doing it over and over and over again. And sure enough, what happened was it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, so to speak, because what happens is, so I I firmly believe that confidence breeds success because if you're not confident, what's going to be, what's going to be going on? For example, how are you going to hold the club if you're not confident? Right. You know, you, you might be holding it a lot looser. You know, you might have that little nervous twitch or whatever. How is that going to um, get down to the ball, for example? So what happens is with her, she's coming down this thing. And sure enough, you know, you can see it. It's on video, whatever. She falls and, and she actually gets knocked unconscious and then comes out. Mm. comes out of it but see the biggest thing when it comes to there's like four stages of mental imagery okay um the very first stage is you have to have a plan when you go through it you know you uh don't just you know it's kind of like you know i'm also an avid cyclist i race bikes and stuff like that like i don't want to go out and do jump miles you know it's like when it comes to training i don't want to do jump training i want to have a purpose with it so when it comes to mental imagery um, four stages is one, you got to have a plan. The very first thing, the other one is you got to have sensory awareness, you know, like what we talked about earlier about your environment and the, um, and then the vividness part of it, how vivid is it? How sharp are the colors, mm-hmm. you know, the smell, the grass, you know, just what cut, but the, the fourth one is exactly what we're talking about now. And that's called control. You've got to be able to control what you're going through. You can change it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a it's a it's a negative thing. And see that here's the other thing, too, is exactly like what you talked about um, just a second ago. You you come up to that dreaded hole. Yeah. Well, already you've already created a pattern in your mind that you're going to fail. Right? right. And so what happens is when you come when you get out on the golf course, you're actually your body and mind. You're thinking about that hole. The very next one that you're going to, you're already conditioning your body for failure. Because you, you you've seen it happen before, and so it's kind of conditioned. But then you got to break it break it out of that what what I call the expectation trap is because you're expecting to fail versus expecting to succeed. And I, I like to use it like like this: um, you have two voices in your head. You have the inner critic, and then you have the inner coach. Mm-hmm. And so you're listening to the inner critic. But what happens is that is what the thought process comes in is through that inner critic. Then you have to switch and change gears by doing um, one thing, mental imagery, a trigger and stuff like that to, 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 to reset, to get back to thinking. But also personal self-talk does wonders, too, um, can actually because there's a lot of studies that's done biofeedback where your body can start reacting. Yeah. And it, like I said, so much of this you're saying is ringing true as a golfer. And I'm sure a lot of the people who are listening, uh, same type of thing. It, it rings very true. I mean, even the similarities to the way we practice our, our physical game, where, as you said, these kind of these like wasted reps, a lot of us go to the range and we're not even thinking we're just kind of hitting. There's no focus to it. Um, 
But also it makes me think of the idea that a lot of times golfers lament about the idea that they feel like each year they take a couple of swing lessons, they play more, but they're not getting better. Or we look at golfers on the whole and we say how across the board golfers are, um, even with all of the, the new instruction stuff that's out there, physical instruction, we're not seeing them in get any better on the overall when it comes to like something like handicap. Now, what I would like you to tell us a little bit more about, because this really sparks my interest here is you had a beta launch of your program, 131 golfers, and you saw uh, 5.1 strokes dropped for every golfer who completed it in 45 days. So first of all, the idea of dropping that many strokes in 45 days doing anything to me is like amazing. Um, but is is there a component of that, that like with us as golfers, we're kind of just holding ourselves in this kind of hold pattern of the same thing over and over. And, and it's just, it's a mental switch that we're not unlocking. Is that kind of what you think is, is a big part of that? Yes. Let me share my story on that really quick, because when Shannon and I went to dinner last summer and he was sharing his success and uh, he and I would go to church together. And it was funny because I did not know any of this stuff in his background. And so when he was sharing all this stuff to me, he was showing me text message after text message, all of his speed skaters saying the exact same thing. Yeah. Right. And so when I'm going through this and I'm like, okay. And he shared with me the Pavlov dog study. And then he shared with me how he can trigger a response. Right. And I was like, okay, you know what, Chen? I'm, you know, like I shared earlier, I'm the, like one of the worst in the world at, you know, being my own worst enemy on the golf course. I'm yeah. going to put you to the test because if this works, this is going to change the game of golf overnight. And so I set out last year, I did not play a single round or I did not practice a single time last year. I played every round that I played last year, eight rounds, all cold Turkey, six out of the eight rounds. I go under par my last round in late October, I was playing nine holes, shot four under, and I looked out three birdies. And wow. it was after that specific round. Yeah. I mean, I looked at that and I'm like, we got our hands on something here Yeah. because this, this worked because I didn't practice at all. I didn't go out there and do what all the other golfers are doing. I call golf like the worst practice sport in the world. <laughs> Why? Because, you know, if you play all these other sports that we played growing up, soccer, baseball, basketball, um, we were spending 80% of our time scrimmaging, like in-game situations. What are we doing in golf? We're practicing from the same lie every single time, and we know that's not going to be the case out on the course. And so, I mean, that's part of it, but a big part of it is – it is. Um, you know, Shannon has a saying, you know, our worst enemy is the person that looks back at us in the mirror every single day that we wake up. And, you know, when you understand how you can trick your body into the zone and you understand how to do the mental imagery that Shannon talked about, and you can put in the mental reps, then some amazing things will happen. That's all I did. We have a story about, you know, another player, Dell. As soon as I went through that, I started sharing it with my students. Mm-hmm. And Dell is really interesting because most people think I got to have my swing perfect before I can do mental imagery. We're like, no, <laughs> no, you do not. Because here's the thing. Dell came to me last year in my personal school. He struggled. He was a lifelong slicer of the game. And he had this big banana slice off the tee for about, you know, 25, 30 yards. Right. Mm -hmm. And we worked together about two or three sessions. And then because he works at the post office, he's working 70, 80 hours. Well, we know Christmas season, it gets really busy. So we didn't see each other um, through end of November, December. Uh, we kind of texted back and forth. I didn't see him until March. So he shows up on the tee in March, and guess what he starts doing? First five shots in his warm-up, draw, draw, <laughs> draw, draw. And I sit there, I'm like, Dell, what are you, like, what happened? We've been texting. You said you only played one time in January, and you practiced one time in February. How are you now starting to hit all these draws? And he said, Bo, I took what you told me what I need to do technique wise. But then I took what you showed me with the mental imagery mm -hmm. and I saw myself every chance I had doing the motions and feeling myself doing the motions. And he said, that's all I did. Wow. And so amazing. And we got many, many more of those stories. Like the person that Shannon shared, I'll share her name. She, she came out on Instagram and uh, posted a, a testimonial for us. So one of the tour players we work with, Sandra Gal, an amazing thing about Sandra when we first uh, met her in the beginning of July, she wasn't sure or convinced to actually go and sign up for the uh, Scottish and British Open. So due to her injury with her wrist, she had a medical exemption. She only had five events for this year. And she, at the time, wasn't comfortable competing again because she had not been able to practice or play. 
And so when we met her in July, she was intrigued by this because she's not able to practice as much as her colleagues. Mm-hmm. And she uh, came on board. We started working with her one-on-one. And then after two weeks of doing that, uh, she's like, you know what? I want to do this. And she signed up for the Scottish. On the uh, first round of the Scottish, she was on the leaderboard sitting in a tie for third place. Wow. And hasn't she hasn't played in over a year at that point. Which in and of itself has got to be a huge you know, confidence, you know, knock because these guys, I mean, they go out there, the confidence is in knowing that they put the reps in. There's some, some, you know, elite tour level golfers who don't feel like they'll play well if they haven't played in just the event before it leading up to it. Cause they feel like they get out of their form that quickly. Um, so again, I think that that's something that's going to speak to a lot of am- not only professional golfers like Sandra, but amateur golfers too, because we are limited in how much physical out on the course FaceTime, so to speak, practice we can get. So tell me about the, the program itself. Is it, is it 45 days or, or how do you kind of structure it? How do you start to bring someone through first understanding how to do the visualization, how to do it properly, and then how to kind of use it to their advantage? Yeah. Yeah. So basically we have four modules. So when we did this as a beta launch, we did it over four weeks where we did four weeks of live trainings. And so we recorded every session and we compiled it into a actual program. So technically they could probably do this in 30 days. One of our students, uh, was Lauren Matthews, an amazing story. This guy was 79 years old, shot 69, 72 after the first week. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You gotta okay. love it when you beat your age, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And here's the thing. He, he found my, he found my number uh, at my own uh, personal golf school and he calls me, he leaves me a voicemail and he said, well, I got to tell you, he said, I've been playing this game for many years. The last time I shot in the sixties was when I was a kid. Wow. Wow. So, and that's after just a few weeks, huh? That was after the first week. First week. Wow. So the first week is you're coming in, you're understanding how to do mental imagery. We walk you through how to go through the vividness test that we talk about. One of the things and the biggest complaints I've seen with a lot of other programs, and like I said, I've I've read all the books, I've been through a lot of different programs, and they're all great, and I'm not knocking any of them Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of great information out there. But the thing is, one of the things I saw that was a, uh, I guess you would say something that was lacking was how can you actually measure someone getting better in the mental side of the game? Mm -hmm. We actually do that we have a test that we take in the beginning and we can also take a test later that will actually show improvement in the vividness part of things so that's week one week two we actually show you the trigger so the thing that shannon talked about earlier with pavlov's dogs you know that trigger that comes in but we actually have a trigger that activates you into the zone now we could spend you know the next two hours going over this but we wouldn't have enough time to really go through all those things but we find the trigger that actually specifically fits you as a golfer and so we cover that in module two. So that's a very individual thing. That's not just you. When you say you, you don't mean you as all golfers. You mean you as the individual golfer. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So week three, it's all about the routines. You know, when you, you, you had to like go watch a really good tour player. And I, I love practice round days on like a Monday or a Tuesday. But if you were to watch someone that's really good at this, you could sit there with a stopwatch and time from the start of the routine and the end of the routine and it's within one second. Mm. And so we actually show you how to develop a bulletproof routine that'll actually prevent the distractions and noise and all that stuff from coming in and interfering. So that way you're actually in the zone and you're in the zone through the entire process of being in your routine. So that's the other big thing with week uh, module three. Module four is some cool stuff that Shannon um, shared with your nutrition, sleep, things like that. But I also share for golfers that struggle with putting, if you know my background, I was blessed to learn under David Orr. You know, right now he's considered probably the world's renowned uh, putting expert. And one of the stories I share in that is of Charlie Wee. Charlie Wee is a PGA Tour player. Uh, Back at a time when him and David met at 2007, at the time when David tested him, he was ranked 123rd in putting. But on the Sam Putt Lab, this guy was ranked 95% across all four categories. But guess who also was in that database? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods at the time was still ranked top three in putting. But we also had 30 other tour players that were included in that database. But Charlie was ranked the best when it comes to technique, yeah. so to speak. So right? why was the so, technique not translating on the course? Right. Exactly. And so 
David worked with him, and those two major things I remember were the takeaways for Charlie. One, the belief in himself that he was a great putter, and thankfully he had a Sam Putt lab to prove that part. He's like, look, you know, you got tigers right here. You're better than him with your stroke profile, right? But he also had to work with him on the putting skills. And, you know, the four putting skills were speed, read, aim, starting your ball, and your intended line. So over the course of a year, Charlie in the summer of 2008 was ranked number three in total putting. Wow. In one season, one season to jump. Yeah. Wow. You don't, you don't see that on the no, PGA Tour. you don't. Right. Yeah, you don't. Cause that's the, that's the, the, the biggest difference is like when, you know, you talk about your MRI, there's people that has, when it comes to performance, it's based off of your right brain. And then when it comes to the, the, I, w- I want to say your left brain, that is more technical, your technical aspect. And so when you really start focusing on your technical aspect of the game, why you're actually going through and, and playing your round, it'll actually sabotage your game because you're on the left side versus the right side. You know, things like, you know, are you still considering the details of your shot while you're moving into the shot over the ball? Or do you change the shot or target while you're over the ball? Mm-hmm. Little things like that. You know, you're, you're, you're con- there's little fluctuations and you start thinking, oh man, I got to have my hip, my shoulders here. I learned this and all that. Then what's going to happen is it's going to sabotage that shot, mm. you know, and it, and it happened. We see it over and over again. Right. Cause the, the golf swing is still very complex. It all happens so quickly. It doesn't take much of a mental hiccup to make that go pretty, pretty darn wrong. Um, all right. So, I mean, like I said, it, it's super interesting stuff. First of all, I, I think it's exciting uh, that you guys are putting such a strong focus on the mental side. I, I'm right with you of saying that it's very underserved. We've had some great mental coaches here on the podcast. We had, we talked to Dr. Joseph Parent just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I, I think that it's something that is starting to get the attention it really deserves, but still has a long way to go. But it certainly got my interest. So tell us a little bit more about uh, how our listeners can fo- follow up on this, find out more. And if it's something that, as you said, this, the four you know, modules that you descri- described, if that's something that they're interested in pursuing, how would they go about uh, finding out more and doing that? Yeah, luckily for them, um, they uh, can actually attend a free training that will be going on every uh, second Thursday. So we try to do um, two weeks out of the month where we do a free training and uh, they can actually go to the endzonementaltraining.com slash golf city and they can uh, go there to register and then they'll be able to uh, watch that free training that we're going to go through and do a more in-depth overview of how the system works and then give them the meat and things like that where they can really go and apply this. We actually were just on a call just earlier today and what was amazing, we were following up on some of the listeners from last week's uh, training that we did. And one of the girls is actually on the ladies European tour and she had been struggling a little bit and she went and watched a free training. And the very next day she shot one under par and she had not shot under par in probably a couple months. Wow. That's, I mean, it's just, like I said, the results are <laughs> tremendous. One thing, let, let me ask you this too, cause it's just what I'm, I'm, I got an idea of what the answer is going to be, but I want to make sure because we've talked so much about a lot of better golfers who are maybe just kind of holding themselves back. And then by using this approach, they kind of unlocked it. But if someone is a little more skeptical and they're listening and they're saying, well, I'm just not confident. I don't have that ability. No matter what, I'm a 20 handicapper. I'm not ready for this. Like I, I wasn't once shooting in the sixties and now I just need to get back there. What do you say to someone like that? Is this, is this a program that they would benefit from as well? Absolutely. So what I'll say is this is, um, I'll give you a, a real brief thing that happened. Uh, I coached a speed skater. He was 11 years old and, uh, the very first meet that he went to, well, I actually, I will say this in speed skating practice is totally abnormal to any other sport, meaning, um, we would actually have skaters from other teams come down and skate our practices. Right. Um, and so all the boys, that were, little boys that were his age that was coming from other teams, we'd have like two or three, he would always beat them in practice. Mm-hmm. But then when he came to his very first meet, he was just so nervous. And so just out of, out of, from himself, you know, obviously not himself when he was skating. Um, he actually got beat. Uh, didn't even make it to the finals in some races. And in a long race, he, he got almost lapped. Um, and so then 
you know, everybody's saying, well, he's, he's too nervous to do it. He can't, you know, you know, what's, what's going on. He's not even trying, you know, the things that we hear that we don't understand what's going on on the mental side. Mm -hmm. But, um, so long story short, I actually met with him and his parents, um, explained to him how to do it and everything, the mental imagery, the trigger, everything like that within two months, he won his first invitational and then he ended up placing at nationals that year. And he's only 11 years old. Now there's also another girl that we've been working with. Um, she, she's 11 now. She just turned 12. Um, she actually dropped 10 strokes off her game. And here's my thing is if an 11 year old and a 12 year old can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would you say know? too, if no matter how new or whatever a golfer is, I feel like every golfer has it where they've hit that one shot, that one shot that felt good. You did it right. And, and my idea is then, okay, if you've done it, it shows the physical body can do it. So why aren't you doing it more? You know, I even asked that question of myself. Sometimes I, I hit a shot, you know, close to a pin that I'm like, wow, I even surprised myself. But then I, I try to think back on it later and say, well, that was proof. That was proof that it can be done. So what is the reason I don't do that every time? And it's got to be the only thing I could think I'm not changing my body. It's the same body. It's the same fueled the same way. All those things. It's my mind. So I would think that might be a, a part of a reason too why any, any level golfer is going to benefit from, from working on their mental game rather than waiting till they're a good golfer and then use the mental game as that final step to unlock eliteness. Use it at any point. You know, do you agree with me there? 100%. If you remember the story I shared about Dell, well, yeah. Dell, he went from a lifelong slicer and now he's hitting draws. But the other True, thing, right. score wise, score wise, he went from, uh, geez, he was shooting high 80s, low 90s. Now he is down into about 78 to 83 is where his scoring range is now. Wow. Yeah. And that's, and there, there you go. That's something that's super relatable for a lot of, a lot of golfers out there. All right. Well, guys, listen. Appreciate you coming on the show today. Appreciate you taking the time to talk a little bit about this. Like I said, it definitely has my interest peak. So we'll, we'll for sure, we'll, uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, so that if anyone, you know, missed the, uh, the link earlier, we'll make sure that's there and they can check out some of your uh, free trainings. I mean, why not? But, um, but we, again, we appreciate both of you coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having thanks. us. You know, guys, I would have spoke yeah, a little. Thanks. I would have spoke a little more, but Frank was in the uh, interview was in the zone. zone, so yeah. I didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> he was flowing. <laughs> That's but it. thank so, you, guys. We really appreciate the that insight. Was, that was yeah, good example. I was right in the zone there. It All was. Right. <laughs> All right, guys. Again, been great chatting okay. with you. Uh, we appreciate the time and best of luck with the uh, the the program as you roll it out of beta and start to really get this thing rolling. I, I like I said, I, I've. Definitely have high hopes for, for what you're doing. I, and I commend, you know, the attention that you're bringing to the mental game. It's really terrific stuff. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Frank. Thanks again. Thanks, Thanks guys. You Take got care. it. All right. Yeah. I told you it'd be interesting stuff, right? Yeah, so interesting. I love the mental game. I, I mean, we. I really kind of, and I'm sorry, I know, I did a lot of talking there. That's fine. But you I geek out zone. over this stuff, all right? And I, I love doing, like I said, when we, we had Dr. Joseph Perrin on and stuff like that just getting into the mental side of the game because it also excites me because it, it's something that I feel like, okay, I can put some real work in on my golf game when I don't always, I mean, we've got jobs, we've got young kids and stuff like that. I don't always have time to go down to the range and grind it out for an hour or two. Right. So the idea of, especially the examples that they shared of um, these long periods where people weren't able to do the type of practice in the conventional practice we're used to seeing and instead we're able to, to really work on their game uh, in the mental aspect. I thought it was interesting. Plus, Mike, how much do we see it now like visually on PGA Tour? I'm a thinking lot. Jason Day, mm-hmm. right? And even Jason Day has made a resurgence and starting to play well again uh, and he went back to just closing his eyes when he does his visualization. Yep. I know he had gotten away from that and he had struggled a little bit. I know he has other, other issues too with injury, but still... Um, I think it's an exciting thing that all of us golfers, and, and when you hear things like how quickly these changes are made, these improvements, 
you know, mm-hmm. in a week, and this guy's shooting his lowest scores in right. 50 years. It, if that that doesn't make your mouth water a little bit as a golfer, nothing will. Oh, of course. And, you know, talking back on Jason Day, and, and you know, some of us may be sitting, guys, I could sit there, close my eyes on a tee box, and try to visualize the most beautiful shot in the world, but I'll tell you, 10 times out of 10, I'm not hitting that shot. I'm just not that good. Well, if anything, that five seconds of closing your eyes and visualization, if anything, will at least calm you down and be a part of your pre-shot routine. So I'd say at least try it at first and see if anything gives you that little bit of three-second calmness before you step up to a golf ball. Right, or what we said earlier, like even if it's not going to immediately make you Tiger Woods, it's going to help you get out of your own way. I mean, just even the realization, even if you don't do that, you know, or, or follow through, like checking out their training program, even if you take one thing away from this, just maybe think about how much am I, instead of using this as a way to propel myself forward, how much am I even holding myself back? Just becoming aware of your own mental thinking. How many times is it that I am visualizing a bad shot because I'm yep. expecting it? How many times do I get into a rhythm where I'm constantly, say, missing putts and now I'm just thinking I'm going to miss the putt? You know, just by being aware of that might be able to at least put the pump the brakes a little bit on any of your your mental talk that's slowing you down right and then when you're ready to even taking the next level now i mean that's why i thought it was interesting so many people at that elite level which is just not quite performing the way they want to do and they just use this idea and this system to unlock it is an interesting further step and i think it's funny that frank still shanks balls in his fantasies so if you guys are struggling with your golf game this guy's still shanking him while he's daydreaming. Even when he's daydreaming in an mri machine (laughs) he's got a pull hook into the left woods i love it We'll but now I know now I can change that. Mm-hmm. And he said, like he said, control was the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Take it, control it, shift the thought. And I'm going to try. I want, can't wait till I play that hole again in real life, because I'm going to see if I visualize something completely. Where different. are you right now? West Hills. Number one. I was West Hills. Number one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you go left into the woods. Go left into the, if I'm going to try to visualize completely different and see if it makes that big difference for me. We'll see. Yes. All right, guys, that's everything we have. Make sure you go to the show notes. You can get, like I said, the links are in the video description. Also in the free golf is the app, which you can get for Android and iOS. All of the, uh, the links and everything will be there again. Big thanks to both Bo and Shannon for coming on the show. Um, like I said, very enlightening. If you guys also found it enlightening, let us know what you think. Drop a comment. You know, leave us a message in the Facebook group. We'd love to hear more from you guys, and we'll see everybody again next week.